0: Uh, it's good to be with you. I, you know, I, it's it seems so strange to already be on the verge of midterms. Um, we've been on the same Princeton schedule for so many years, and here now, here we are, October second. Um, but we're glad you glad you're with us. And uh, for those those of you who are joining new, we're going through the Beatitudes in these short little uh, messages on Friday nights through this fall. And um, we come tonight to the fourth Beatitude. Uh, but I'm going to read uh, the passage versus... Um, uh, 2 through 10, and you can follow along with me, and then I'm going to focus on verse 6, uh, 3 through 10. Um, hear God's word. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Amen. And they, these beatitudes, they start what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Augustine of Hippo, one of the church fathers, called all the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus went up on a mountain to get away from the crowds, and he sat down, and he called his disciples to himself. And then he taught, and chapters 5, 6, and 7 are very famous. John Stott, um, uh, uh, the late English theologian, he said to this, the Sermon on the Mount is probably the best known part of the teaching of Jesus, though arguably it is the least understood, and certainly, it is the least obeyed, the least obeyed by Christian, and non-Christian, um, the most admired and the least obeyed uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And these, the Beatitudes come at the beginning, uh, forging for us um, the, uh, a sense of the um, uh, character of a follower of Christ. What is it that Jesus is looking Uh, uh, to teach us, uh, to form us. And we started uh, the 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 the, the Beatitudes, uh, and that word, it means blessedness. You know, blessed are those. There's a sense of happy. This is the way to happiness. You want to pursue happiness. You want to be happy. Here's the way. You want a life of blessedness. Here's the way. And we did, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. It starts with this humility. What is needed? What does God require of us? He desires that we be humble before him, he desires that we, we, we mourn over our sin in our own lives, over our own need. He desires meekness, self-control, uh, 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 a dependence uh, on the Lord. Uh, he desires that we come uh, before him with, with uh, uh, bent knees and open hands, um, recognizing him as Lord of our life, right? We come uh, to God only by grace, by a free gift. Of salvation in Jesus Christ, and so we come to this fourth of the eight beatitudes, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It starts to take a turn to this uh, from the the posture of uh, humble reliance on the Lord, of repentance, and to to uh, uh, the positive exhortation to uh, the life of the Christian to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It will lead to blessed are those who are merciful, who are peacemakers, the pure in heart. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, sort of the life of the Christian as we relate to others. But here in the middle, uh, we come to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so I want to ask, I want to start with a question. What drives you? What drives you to do the things that you do? Some of us are introspective, probably too introspective. Um, That's me. Some of us are not introspective. That's more Christine and my wife. We try to we tend to balance each other out. I'm always trying to get her to introspect, and she's always trying to get me to move forward um, and think less. And uh, but what drives you? I had this in my interview for Princeton. You know the per, the the lady interviewing me. She's like, why do you want to go to Princeton? And I was all prepared. You know, Princeton has blah 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 student faculty ratio. You know, endowment resources, education you know, heritage, opportunity, undergraduate, so on. And so I had all my reasons and she said, why does that matter? And I was like, well, education. And she's like, well, why? She just kept pressing me. So, I mean, so what? Yeah. Okay. Education and all that, but why do you desire this? Why do you do the things that you do? What drives you? Uh, just a short story. I I, I often tell because it was such a such a formative moment for me in my freshman year. Just to give a sense of you know the freshman what you can look forward to when we're all on campus. You know earlier in the breakout, Calvin was asking what are the secrets of Princeton. I said, no, at Princeton everything is pure. There are no vices. All we do is learn, uh, and we do it for the love of learning. Well, when I was a freshman, there was a guy down the hall a sophomore. You know, and he worked so hard. Such a great guy, nice guy great conversations, engineer, you know how it is engineers, you know, problem set, problem set, quiz, tests, program. And uh, every Thursday and every Saturday night, like clockwork, he was drunk in our bathroom, shared bathroom down in the old butler, throwing up. And so one day, you know, it's like 2 a.m. on a Thursday night, probably. And I'm just there in the bathroom, you know, and he's throwing up as as per usual. And, um, and I'm like, why, you know, he's in that post, you know, when post inebriation, um, Maybe you don't know what this is like, but the post inebriation, like, like honesty and transparency, we're having the one of those 2am conversations in the bathroom, he was very polite, he would always clean up after himself after he threw up. And so I'm like, why do you do it? You know, why all the drinking, like two nights a week? And, um, and he was, he was like, well, I just need it to blow off steam. Right. And it's just that it was just one of those moments for me, like, why do we do what we do? Like why do we do the work and why do we do the drinking? Why either? What drives us? What is it that we're hungering and we're thirsting for? That's what this beatitude, verse six of Matthew chapter five, is getting at. What is what are the appetites that drive us and consume us? And it's a hard question for the Princetonian. You know, I'd like to say all of us do have our, pursue our ambitions and work hard and and strive out of uh, righteous impulses, out of a desire, you know, the things that we say, the reasons we give for why we do what we do. But so often I think the truth is we're just those who are, who are um, perfectionists. We're just those who are interested in our reputation. We're those who desire achievement or our parents desired it for us and instilled it in us. And we feel controlled by that. Um, And it's, it can be a hard process over the years, you know, often even achieving and getting the things that we want finding our appetites uh, met and answered, and then asking, okay, what now? That may be happening to you now. It It may happen to you five years from now. It may happen 10 years or 40 years from now. Okay, I got everything my heart desired. Now what? Well, what Jesus has to say to us here is, blessed are those happy, joyous, satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so uh, let me just define righteousness a little bit. What is, what is meant by this uh, righteousness? And uh, I, I want to outline three aspects of that righteousness. First, you know, righteousness, the word is used in the New Testament for salvation, getting right with God, getting right with God. And so first and foremost, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be right with the, their creator, right with the God who made them, uh, to be forgiven for their wrongdoing. Uh, to be covered by the blood of Jesus in the mercy that flows uh, from the Father. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and not just their own, not, not just our own salvation, to come to grips with this is what Jesus has done, to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, but to receive the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ, to receive his right, to be cloaked in his righteousness, not just for ourselves, but also for others. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst that righteousness might be said, that we may be able to say, we are saints of the living God. We might be able to share and testify of that great hope that we have. What do we need, Princetonian or not, um, acing your midterms or failing your midterms? What do we need? We need uh, the righteousness of Jesus Christ to, to, to uh, cover us uh, before um, our Father in heaven. Because that's one aspect. Of righteousness. The second aspect is, is the purity, you know, even saying like, I'm saved by the blood of Christ. I am a new creation. Then there's this, there's this response in faith. I desire to grow in holiness, right? If you taste the good things that come from being conformed to God's will, that aspect of righteousness, from being made like Jesus Christ, to be uh, transformed day by day. There's, so there's an aspect of righteousness that's that day by day growth. And here, here we really get to understanding a little bit, the hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We, 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 we yearn for it to be like God. We yearn to be transformed. And even as we are transformed, that, that builds in us a greater hunger and thirst for that righteousness. That's the second aspect of what, what we call sanctification. Sanctification and growth in faith, to see it in our own lives and to see it in the lives of others. The third aspect is to see righteousness, God's will worked out in this world, in our communities, in our churches, in our country. Uh, Martin Luther said, you know, in response and in light of this beatitude, we we are called to go out and pursue God's righteousness in every aspect of this world uh, in an insatiable way, to never be satisfied. In that sense, but in a good way to never be satisfied because we are seeking God's righteousness, his forgiveness in our own lives, our growth and sanctification and righteousness and his justice established in the world. That's an aspect in which the Sermon on the Mount is so beloved. We see in our culture as post-Christian as perhaps our culture is. Nonetheless, it's its ideas of justice, justice for the poor and the oppressed, justice for uh, marginalized groups, justice for the, sh- the, the, the foreigner, uh, the traveler. Um, the, uh, it comes right from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, people read these words from Jesus. They're, they're, they're written in uh, to, the, to the history of our country, even as they war against the unrighteous aspects of the history of our country. People are attracted to it, even, though, even as it's so hard, as we look at our own lives and we say, am I living out? Uh, christ call on my life uh, to to be pure and holy and to seek justice in this world so just a few aspects there's so much more that could be said on what is the righteousness that we hunger and thirst for but let me turn to hungering and thirsting hungry and thirsting because you know what it's like this is just not you talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness it just sounds People do not want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, they want to say that they do. We, they, we, we want to put a good face forward, but it just seems like, like uh, all the fun is on the side of the devil. What did William Blake say about Milton's Paradise Lost? Milton was on the side of the devil and he didn't know it. Milton was writing about Paradise Lost and Satan comes off as the hero because, to us because frankly, sin looks more attractive than righteousness. It just looks like a lot more fun. And so, 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 what does it mean? Because I would say I am a Christian precisely because I've seen this come true that blessedness comes from hungry and thirsting for righteousness. That it is one possible to actually desire what is good as opposed to what is wrong. And second, that out of that life, comes happiness. First, it's it is possible. I just uh, yeah, one anecdote, this was this was very formative in my life. I was visiting my my mother's parents, um, my grandparents, maternal grandparents, very righteous people, godly people. They passed on to the Lord now. Godly people. And I was sitting in their living room with my great uncle and great aunt who lived across the little lake there in Darlington, Pennsylvania on Western PA. And you know, they just lived this like They were people who had hungered and thirsted for righteousness their whole life. So much so, you know, to sit in their presence, you wouldn't think that they had any exposure to sin. And, um, but then like things would come up, like my uncle and aunt, they had a farm, great uncle and great aunt, they had a farm. It was a man they, they, they'd they'd heard of. He'd gotten out of prison. He was a sex offender. His job opportunities were very limited because of that. And so they put him to work on their farm. That's what they did. No children there on the farm. It was just like one of these moments where you're like, have you heard? I didn't even know my older relatives knew what a sex offender was. You wouldn't think it. It It's just a normal thing. My grandparents, they were helping. Came up, there was a lady. She was going to have her children taken away by child services because her house was such a mess. They were, my grandmother was there helping her get her house in order, cleaned up, fixed up. Again, it's like, uh, you know, my grandparents' life seems so placid. But they were people who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. I always thought—I remember sitting there thinking, like, if you if you put their life on uh, the life of truly righteous people on television, it'd be boring. But to live in that life is blessedness. To experience it, to taste what it is, to feast on righteousness—the righteousness that comes from knowing the Lord, from being transformed by His Word, from hungering and thirsting for that. that over the long haul. That is transformative. That is powerful. That is joyous. It's happy. It's just straight happy. Have you tasted that? Do you know what that's like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? I think I think about hiking. You know, I was. Well, uh, you know what it, what it is? You go on a you go on a long hike and then you eat a meal afterwards, and that's like the best meal you ever had. Once it was a, our grad student Bible study years ago. We went on a hike, and. Um, great hike. And one of the grad students was a gourmet chef. And he put on, you know, after we'd done this like six mile hike, you know, he put on this, this it's not that far, but he put on this just amazing gourmet meal um, over the campfire. And it was like the best meal. I mean, I've, 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 you know, I've had many great meals, um, but it's just this amazing meal. That's what it is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's like, it's an, it's a path of seeking after God. And that's often hard because of the reality of ongoing sin in our lives. But to sit and feast on the, the fruit of righteousness, it just, uh, the, the, the satisfaction that comes from it. Have you tasted that satisfaction? Does righteousness seem a burden to you? A killjoy? Or the path of true blessedness? Because I think once you get that taste, then it sets you on that path. Yes, there's an arduous hike, but there's a sweet meal to be had. And it tastes that much better for the, for the struggle that uh, is present in, in following after God. You feel that satiation. And you rise up the next day that much more eager to move forward in serving God, in loving him and loving his people, in doing his will. And you look forward to that next meal that you sit down to eat. I had this, uh, you know, two weeks ago at our church um, here, uh, you know, we had an outdoor service. It was our first outdoor service. And, you know, it was, we'd been doing services indoor, but it was like less than half the congregation because of that. And it was, you know, that's good. But the outdoor service, it was like everyone showed up not a very big church but you know everyone showed up and it was amazing it, was, it felt like i wanted to say the best church service i'd been to since march but the truth was it felt it was like having a meal after a long hike you know it felt like the best church service in years because you just it had been so long since we'd had that fellowship you know we're all we're all sitting together brothers and sisters in christ hearing the word preached fellowshiping talking experiencing the life of the people of god together hungering and thirsting for righteousness together it was just so sweet to experience that, and so I'd encourage you uh, as you go out. You know, later on, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have a great uh, to uh, spotlight in a little bit, but later in the breakout rooms to, to really ponder what is it that's driving you, and have you tasted uh, the 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 uh, fruit of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Do you know what it is in your heart to taste what it is to be in uh, fellowship with the living God and to know the wonderful things that come from doing his will, from being part of his people. I I look forward to that day. You know, one day we'll all be back in Murray Dodge or for the first time in Murray Dodge. that's normally where we meet. We'll be in Murray Dodge together and we'll be singing praise to God (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll be talking afterwards, and we'll have that. It'll be one of those moments where we'll be like, "Wow, this is the best PCF meeting we've had in uh, years." That's how it'll feel. But you know, all of this is just a foretaste. One day we will be with the Lord in, in the new heavens and the new earth, eating the the wedding feast of the Lamb. And we're not. We won't be. We won't be saying, "Oh, I I just so wish I'd spent more nights on Prospect Avenue getting." plastered or whatever. Or I wish I'd spent more time arguing over my to defend my ego in class, in precepts, trying to prove I'm the smartest one. Or I wish I'd spent more time uh trying to be the very, very best, most successful uh student I could be. We 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 would be reflecting, I was so glad to know the Lord and to know his people. I was so glad to hunger and thirst for the good things he has given me. I see and I taste how good it is to be in the presence of the living God. Amen.